Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Total Liverpool Podcast. My name is Simon, today I'm joined by Deej and Adam. Hello boys, how are we doing? All good mate. Very well mate. I'm very well. Uh, Jake's not with us, he's got man flu. He thought he had flu on Covid, but uh, it's not, it's just it's just man flu. It's probably just a common cold, but he's, uh, he's caught the man down, unavailable to come on and prevent the, the, the best Liverpool show on the internet. But uh, I want to talk about the, the game we've just watched, we're about an hour out from, from full time. Um where we played Crystal Palace away in the league. Uh, a bit of a strange one. I mean, I kind of I feel like I jinxed this game. I put into the group chat that we when we started the game so well, it's just I felt like if we got ninety minutes like that without Manny and Salah, that would be a real statement. That would be a real achievement for us as a team. Uh, but it's, it didn't really go that way for the full ninety minutes, and we kind of dropped off near the end. I'm going to come to you, Deej. Um, just give us your thoughts in the match as a whole. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a weird one. I think the the first forty minutes, I think the only real word I can use to describe it is comfortable. Uh, it didn't seem like any Liverpool player was necessarily working too hard. Everything just seemed to be working for us. The goals going in seemed nice and easy. I mean, that Ox finish as well. I think that that's not going to get talked about enough. That was a brilliant finish, knocking it under the keeper like that. But then the last five minutes of that first half, Palace were all over us. And I, I have to say, the second half, we got battered in the second half absolutely battered um and i i one thing i will say i hope we sign elise one of these days he is a magic player but yeah palace absolutely battered us in the second half i think uh i think we were lucky to to come away with the three points today uh, and i think a lot of the reason why we did it was it was all down to allison allison was an absolute star today I mean, I, I never expected to, to, us to start as well as we did. I mean, I thought we'd get the three points today because we are on paper the, the better side. Um, but Palace are no pushovers these days uh, and they have a lot of young, hungry players on that side that want to go on and have, you know, big careers in football. So these these younger players tend to, to, to find another gear when they play top opposition. Um, so I'm not surprised the game actually ended up going the way it did. I just thought it was going to start off that way and we would have to grow into the game. Um, but I thought the way we started was excellent. I mean, I think uh, the, 
what we, the way we were struggling without Manny and Sal was was we were building we were building up slowly and we didn't have the the, the change of pace that we that we normally have to to, to find a break through a defence. Um, but I thought we were a wee bit more direct the way we started this game. I thought the movement was much much better. Um, and I think I think the way we stretched Palace was excellent. But I, I'm not really sure about how we fell away. I thought Joel Matip had probably one of the worst Liverpool games I've seen I'm having a Liverpool shirt to be honest it was it was a strange one I'm not quite sure what's going on with Joe I don't know if he's carrying a knock uh, or he's just lacking a wee bit of confidence I'm really, I'm really not sure I want to come to you Adam he struggled a bit against Arsenal as well didn't he he did yeah. Um, yeah um pretty similar to, to to what Deej said said really I actually think it was almost um like a carbon copy of the other fixture we played Palace but just flipped the other on its head if you remember we were yeah. really really poor in that first half probably should have been two or three goals down in the first half and then you know, in this in the second, we sort of had a moment of well, it probably, again probably about thirty minutes where we I think we scored twice because we we were one nil up. I remember in that game uh, at halftime, didn't deserve to be, um, and then we sort of just we we had a, like about like again like half an hour of of just pure quality where we sort of blitzed them away in the second, and and this was sort of the reverse of that. I think the first sort of thirty forty minutes, you know, like you said, we were brilliant. Um, I think Deed used the word comfortable. I think that's what it was. It was comfortable, very controlled. Um, but then Jurgen Klopp, I saw, I've not seen his full interview yet, but I saw one of the comments that he made after the game was at 2-0, the Liverpool players. I, th- I think he said they got too too comfortable and fancied a bit of a break. And you can't afford to do that in the Premier League, especially against a Palace side as good as what they are under under Patrick Vieira. Um, but yeah, I think, I think literally after that sort of first 30, 40 minutes, it was just... A, a, a bit of a mess. I thought Klopp reacted well to try and bring on Minamino about the hour mark um, and just make some sort of tactical change. It didn't really seem to work. We slowed the tempo of the game down a little bit, which obviously worked in our favour. But you know, they still still had a few big chances after that. Um, and yeah, it was Allison saved our bacon today, big time. Allison put in a, a, a shift um, worthy of his of his title of like one of the best keepers in the world. Um, I think without Allison and goal, uh, I don't think we get the, the 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 points in this game. I really don't. Mm. I think the, the the high quality chances that Palace created that they could have easily won this game or to even taken a point. But he I'd, stopped three certain players, goals, didn't he? There was the Edward yeah, Blackheel. There was three the goals, by my count. Post. By my count, three. Out, yeah. Yeah. three certain goals. Three certain goals. Um, but those are the difference makers. Those are the those are the, the players that you need in sort of championship winning sides. Um, I want to get. Well, I'll come on to the penalty in a little bit, but I want to get your thoughts in this in this team overall because obviously there was a big sort of panic when when Manny and Salah departed for Afcon. But we seem to have. We've, I think we've got 100 percent of the points since their departure. So. No, it's not all been bad, and I think they'll, they'll do back for the next league game. So, what do you think it says about this size, DJ? And, and given that Man City have just drawn to Southampton, so they've dropped a wee bit of points, we can get in within, I think, six points of. of, of We've got um, a game in hand yeah. still on them, and we're We've nine, got a game in hand right now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We can get within six points at a City. So, do you think. And we still think... have to play City as well, so that's potentially another jump there. When I'll jump now. Do you think? Do you think I'll be written off? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of pundits were quick, quick to write us off, but I wasn't. I wasn't totally in that camp. Uh, where, where do you lie now? I think a couple of weeks ago it was definitely looking like City were breaking away, but but the past couple of weeks it's things seem to have just fallen into not only our favour but sort of the favour of the neutral as well, because it does look like now after 
after the past couple of games that this title race is going to be a lot closer than it it we, we initially thought it was. It does look like Chelsea are starting to drop away a little bit. They are only four points behind us, but we do have a game in hand on them. Um, so that's potentially up to seven points behind us. So it's looking like Chelsea are starting to fall away. City started breaking away and then we've started chasing back on them. And I think your point of uh, Salah and Mane being away, I think that was a worry for every Liverpool fan. But I think there's one name in particular that we can pick out that will that, that sort of made up for that. And uh, this player is kind of like a litmus test for a lot of Liverpool fans as well as to, as to whether they're fake fans or not. Curtis Jones has been incredible since Salah and Mane went away. And he's always the kind of player as well that after a run of games, every game he just seems to get better and better and better from the last one. And then he goes out of the team for a while and then he comes back in and sort of starts from the beginning of that set of stairs again. So I think a consistent run uh, over the next couple of games for Curtis Jones, uh, people will start talking about him the same way they talk about people like Emil Smith-Rowe. He's, I, I think he's that level of, of quality and he just needs the chance to prove it a little bit more. Today, he was incredible against Arsenal midweek. He was incredible. I, I, I can't talk well about this boy enough. I think people were raving about Harvey Elliott at the beginning of the season. People should be talking about Curtis Jones in the same breath. He's he's top class. I think it's kid. because Curtis Jones plays in a side of superstars. And I think that's why he doesn't quite get the recognition of, of an Emil Smith-Rowe um, or other English mid, centre midfielders over there. You know, you're calling Conor Gallagher's who played in, in, the, in the match today. You know, Curtis Jones was far superior to Conor Gallagher, but Conor Gallagher is getting a lot of plaudits this season. Granted, likely so, because he is a fantastic young player. But... The mountain that Curtis Jones has had to climb to get in this Liverpool side, you know, he has a lot of quality players ahead of him, you know, and I think he deserves to keep his place. I think he's performed consistently. He's he's, he's young. He's homegrown. He is he's 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 an ideal midfielder for for this side. And I, he's, and he's got I think more gears to go through as well. I and that's so that's the well. important thing. He's he's got other like Klopp said to him. Um, Klopp uh, when. Salah and Mane went off, and obviously we've got the Thiago injury on that side. Klopp said to him, "This is your chance to go up a level now," and he's he's proven that he can do that. And and there's still so much more room for him to grow. He's got such a high ceiling, and I think that's the most important thing with Jones. Is think about what our midfield's going to be in the future as well. Jones, yeah. Elliot, Morton. <clears throat> I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always quite, it's quite as simple as that. There's a lot of stuff that can happen, but if you if you for a quick sort of picture, you know, you can you could imagine a, a Fabinho with an, a Harvey Elliott and a Curtis Jones in the midfield in front of him, that would be an extremely attacking mind midfield and, a, and an option mm-hmm. for us when we when when teams set up against us with, with those sort of flat back sixes and, and just wall us off um and just flood the box and, and try and stop Sal and Manny for for cutting in and, and getting on the left and right foot. You know You're essentially I think, playing a four one five then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know and that's that's not beyond us because our defence is on its day, you know world class that we can we can afford to to take those kind of risks I mean but yeah I think I think Curtis Jones were under the under the radar slightly this season because of Harvey Elliott's fantastic start to the season he started tremendously but I do think he's he's totally worthy of the place in this side he's not I don't think he's an afterthought I don't think he's there because there's nobody else in I think if he was playing in this form I think it, uh, even if Thiago was fit I would, I would still favour um, Curtis Jones in this midfield because I, I really like that combination of Fabinho, Henderson and Jones. I just um, want to see him given the license that Henderson seems to have to go forward because I think going forward, Curtis Jones is a lot more productive than Jordan Henderson is, but Hendo seems to be the one that, that goes more than more than Curtis. Curtis seems to be involved more in like build-up play 
But when there's mm. like a counter or a quick push, it's always Hendo going. And I think Curtis Jones going in those situations instead would work out better for us more often than not. I think he's got more of that attacking sort of lethal mindset than Henderson does. I think so. I think so. I think it's because I think the way they see Jones moving forward is on the ball. They expect him to sort of carry the ball and make a penetrating run, whereas Henderson is going to do a lot. Of, he's not, yeah. Henderson's not going to try and beat a man or, 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 or dribble past someone, you know. They're different attributes, but I definitely get what you're saying. I do think Henderson could be a bit more conservative in his play and allow Curtis Jones to be a bit of freedom to go forward. But at the end of the day, there's, there's a certain seniority to the team, isn't there? He is mm. our club captain. You know, he's, he's highly influential in every game we play, you know, and I think if he backs himself to go forward, then that's probably the way it's going to be, you know, considering like Curtis is the new the new guy in the midfield. But I think going forward, and especially as he matures as a midfielder, I could definitely see him um, doing those sort of like off the ball runs, late runs into the uh, into the box and stuff like that. Adam, I want to come to you. Um, your thought, your thoughts in the midfield. Do you do you where do you see our midfield in the future? Because there, there is going to be a Thiago to come back, a Harvey Elliott to come back as well. Do you think Jones has done enough to nail down his place in the side for you? Um, uh, uh, honest, I, I think if you, if you're asking me what I think our best midfield is with everybody fit, yeah, Jones still isn't in that for, because Fabinho and Thiago are still that that good. For, well, sorry, not even Fabinho. I know he doesn't play there, but Thiago is just still that good. Um, where he is a truly world-class talent. It's like having a luxury player in your midfield. Um, I think Jones will get, you know, we'll get to the point with Jones. I have no question in my mind where he does, he does make that team no matter who's, who's fit and available. Um, I just think as of right now, this season, if Thiago's fit and, and ready, and obviously with Fabinho alongside him sort of sitting, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they've lost a game together. I think they've played something like 15, yeah, they have. 1, 13, drew two or something. Um, so yeah, I think I think for now it for the the rest of the season at least anyway. My starting midfield would still be Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson if everybody's fit and available. Um, but Jones I mean, has done more than enough to yeah to sort of you know sort of keep his place in and around the team. I'm not saying that Jones needs sort of you know he, he shouldn't be playing. <laughs> um, I just think because it's Thiago is just that good as I said before, yeah. you can't. You can't have him fit and not play him. I would need to see it in a game after he's come back for his injury because it took. It, I think it took Thiago a wee while to find his place in the system. There was a lot. Of, I seen a lot of Thiago that yeah. I thought oh, I expected probably a bit better than this. But once I he think saw he him, struggled like, though with the idea. I think we spoke about it with Minamino not that long ago. Thiago was also one of those where he joined. And then COVID hit, so he wasn't training with the team. He was on his own in a new country, didn't really speak the language, especially being in Liverpool, you know, with scousers all around you. (laughs) You dropped into that sort of environment. It is going to take a bit of time to adjust. And um, I think think obviously you saw on the pitch as well that that sort of hindered him. And and then he picked up an injury and then he got COVID himself. And then I think he got another injury. And so so I I can sympathise with him in that regard. Um, but I do think now, from the Thiago that we do see when he does play, is just magnificent, really, isn't he? Really unfortunate that he took an injury when he was in that such yeah. a rich vein of form. Um, I want to come to you, Deej, and there's a player that we've missed out from all the midfielders we've talked about, and that's Navigator, because it's easy to forget about him, because although he comes in and occasionally makes a, a big impact, that he's he's injured 
quite a lot. He's sometimes inconsistent in his performances, and this is a competitive midfield. And when you have youngsters, like we've talked, we just talked in depth about Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott to come back. I don't know if I actually see a long-term future at Liverpool for Navigator, and I've been a fan of, uh, just before I come in, I've been a fan of Navigator and, and how he can play. Uh, but I think that if, a, if another midfielder comes to the club, um, and even Ox, who's played ever so well, even though he's been sort of, I know he sees himself as a midfielder, but he's been off, <laughs> often asked to go on either side of the wing. Um, I think it's, it's a hard task for Navigator to get back into this side or to be nailing down a, a start on the side in a game that's in a meaningful game, you know? But yeah. you, you obviously have a long-term future. How do you see that future unfolding? Well, I mean, if you look at the sort of immediate history of uh, Naby Keita's performances for Liverpool, he's been brilliant for us this season when he's played. You look at him at AFCON now, he's been one of the players of the tournament so far. If Naby Keita stays in this vein of form and comes back to, to Liverpool still in that vein of form... We were talking about our best midfield three there uh, with Adam just then. I would argue that it's uh, Fabinho, Thiago, Keita. It's our best midfield three at the moment based off form. Um, so Jordan Henderson doesn't doesn't get in that, that three? I would, I would say that his performances for Liverpool this season, Keita has been better than Henderson. Now, Henderson has an that, extra say- factor. Of the, I would of the say captain and the passion, but there's a certain there's a certain advocate to that because although Anderson is very rarely a nine or a ten, but he's always a seven or an eight. Whereas yeah. I feel like you can get a solid like four <laughs> from a an Abicare on a bad day. You know, I would personally miss that that Mister Reliable. I would miss that that stability. I would miss. Going I understand that thinking. as well. But if we're looking you know, at form over this season so far, I think Cater edges Henderson. I think Cater has been a better midfielder for us this season than Henderson has been. Uh, but if, if I was picking the team, that little right-sided midfield uh, space would be Harvey Elliott's if he's fit, end of, end of discussion. I, I would want to play oh, him yeah, as much as possible so his development accelerates. Uh, I'm 100% I'd still, look for, as well. yeah, I'd, I'd still look for a place for Henderson, I think, because uh, while I'm saying I think our best three is Fabinho, Thiago and Keita, I'm the same as you. I think having Henderson in the team just adds so much more as well with his uh, his leadership, his passion, his drive the way he can sort of pick players up who seem to be a bit down in the dumps and sort of get them to give that extra 20% or something at the end of a game, I think that kind of thing wins your titles. And I don't think Naby Keita has that sort of wow factor in any real area of his game. I just think he's a very good midfielder when he's on. But like you say, he, he can go off quite regularly. Uh, I don't think yeah. we've seen it in a red shirt so far this season. I think every every performance he's put in has been at least average or above. I don't think he's he's played a stinker for us so far this season but yeah he definitely can he's it's more more common that he will than henderson will i think no problem that's one of his very 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 good points um boys i want to finish up because the chelsea and spurs game's on and i think we should go watch that against LNF, one of our nearest <sighs> rivals um and the, t- the league tables playing uh so we're going to quickly finish up with some player ratings Shall we talk um, gonna, penalty yeah. first, real quick? I think there's uh yes actually let's just let's just go, go over, over the penalty come yes. come you did penalty or not um, I, I think it should have been a penalty. I would not have complained if it wasn't given. I think it looked like what Jota was trying to do was obviously lob the keeper, and you can see that with the way his foot moves, but he doesn't get enough contact on the ball to lift it the direction that he wants instead of straight ahead. And you see him sort of shift his weight to sort of run after if the lob was successful, and then when he realises it wasn't, he shifts his weight back again onto his other foot, and then the keeper takes him out. Questionable whether he'd have been able to keep it in, 
So which is why I think the penalty's a soft one. I, th- I, I wouldn't have complained if it wasn't given. Um, but yeah, I, I think the fact that it was given, people can't really have that many complaints about it. The keeper smacked into the legs of a forward who was running after a ball in the box <coughs> after just making a, an attempt to control it. It's it's a foul. I mean, I breathed a big sigh of relief when we got that penalty because I was very worried that we weren't going to take three points today. The way um, the pressure was getting put on by Palace, I was I was quite worried. I, I think I would have stayed in that mind frame right until the final whistle. Um, and we we desperately needed that breathing room of an extra goal. Um, Adam, before I give my thoughts, what well, penalty or not for you? I I think it's a hundred percent a penalty. I can't. I really can't understand the the mind of somebody that doesn't see that and think penalty. Um, for me, it's not a question of whether he was fouled or not. It's a hundred percent a foul. Um, the keeper's so late to get in the ball and sort of slides into Jota. It is categorical categorically a foul a hundred percent of the time. For me, I think the only debate comes from is Jota going to get the ball? I think he's lost control of the ball. But I think when you have that much debate over, oh, is he going to get it? Is he? Not? I think I think if you're not going to give that penalty, you have to categorically say with a thousand percent certainty that ball is out of play. The ball, but the, the fact is the ball's not out of play. Jota could still get there, and and for me, it's like I sort of said it in the chat. I was, I was um, joking with uh, with with Craig, who's of course an Arsenal fan. I was saying if the ball's going out of play, you've miscontrolled it, and I just decide to punch you in the face. Does that make it all right? Because you've you're losing <laughs> out on the ball. Like it, it you know, it, it shouldn't matter whether he's lost control of the ball or not, because the ball is still in play. There's still a chance he can get there. And he's been fouled, so for, for me it is, it is a penalty every single time. You've taught me that, and I was a bit on the fence because it is a, if that was given against Liverpool, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be upset by that. Hundred percent I'm I'm gonna be pretty disgusted by that because I think it's a, I don't think the keeper needs to he's so the keeper's so late that he clearly needs to try and get out of the way of Jaw. You know what I mean? Kind of, uh, it's I it's, think so, it's so obvious that if... the jaw is gonna lose control and it's not not a particularly dangerous run. At that point, yeah. uh, I, 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 I do think it's a penalty, but I would be extremely frustrated if that penalty was given away, especially when we were on the front foot see, and looking to see to get back I, into a game. I, I'd, I'd be frustrated, but I'd be frustrated with... if So if that went against us, I'd be saying that that was very poor from Alisson. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it was really poor from the goalkeeper to even give Jota the was, option yeah. to, to get a yeah. penalty. Because the, the way the momentum was in the game as well, he's... he's He's cost his team potentially a point, or, or even three. Yeah. The, the way the momentum was going, you know, that they could have absolutely piled. <coughs> if Alisson didn't save us how many times, um, then then you know that that goes a different way. Uh, boys, I want to wrap up with um, some player ratings. Um, Deej, I'm going to come to you and get give give us a defence ratings. Yeah, uh, Alisson gets a ten for me. He didn't put a single foot wrong. Even the goal that was scored against us, he rushed out to try and stop uh, Mateta, who then uh, just. What, what I call a knobhead goal in FIFA, just squared it across the goal to, <laughs> yeah, uh, to Edward yeah. to tap in. You don't Alisson save couldn't us. have done anything different there. That There's was, nothing he could do about that. Yeah, but, but every time he was called upon, wonderful, wonderful saves from him. And uh, even when he was out of position, sort of adjusting his position and, and tracking back to be able to actually get in and make a difference there. Fantastic performance from him. Uh, I think Trent as well was was brilliant defensively today. I think he he, he walks away with, with a solid seven. Um, Robbo, even better. He's he's an he's an eight and a half for me. Uh, both of his assists were were pretty tasty, especially that one for Ox. 
Um, and then Matip, I, I can't really give him more than like a six. He was he was there to block things, but sloppy with his passing again today. I think that's it's been a bit of a trend with him and Fabinho over the past couple of games. Their passes has been a bit iffy here and there. Um, and Verge with his goal, uh, he's he's got to walk away with an eight for me as well. He was he was pretty great most of the game, although I think uh, he was the one who lost track of Mateta for um, for the goal that they had. Uh, I think Mateta's run was started from from so deep. I can't fault him too much for that, but uh, he he definitely could have done better there. But uh, thanks to getting his goal and and keeping us down to only one goal conceded, uh, I think I've got to give him an eight. Adam, give us a midfield ratings. Um, yeah, we'll start with Fabinho. I'm I'm giving Fabinho a nine. I thought he was incredible this game. Um, I agree. So I actually, I personally thought that the the both the centre backs. I think Matip more than Van. Dijk. I think Van Dijk had a slightly better game than Matip, um, but I think both the centre backs were, were relatively poor in my opinion. And I think Fabinho covered their asses a lot um, with some of the defensive work that he did. I think especially with there was a ball that Matip played to. Uh, I think it was Elise he played the ball to, and Fabinho was so quick to recover and put Elise off his shot that that Allison did eventually make the save from. You know, just, and, and he sort of did that throughout the game. He just he kept seemingly making up for the mistakes that usually Matip was making, giving the ball away via a header or a loose ball. Um, yeah, I thought I thought he was outstanding today. Um, and then we'll go Jordan Henderson. I thought he had, it was a reasonably quiet game, but again, I think we mentioned it after the Arsenal match or the Brentford match. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, when Jordan Henderson has a quiet game and you don't really notice him, that's where he has his best games. Um, and just from a, a couple of things I picked up, I thought he pressed really, really well today. Uh, won the ball back in some high, high positions. Um, he was pressing the left. I, I think there was a couple of times he was even on the goalkeeper, just trying to put Palace under pressure, trying to make them give give the ball away, and and a couple of times forced them into mistakes, which which gave us possession really high up the pitch. Um, and that's sort of just what he's there to do, just sort of mop up, keep the pressure on, um, and and set the tempo really for everybody else in the team. I, th- I thought he did that well, so I'd, I'd probably give him a seven and a half. I thought it was a really sort of solid performance from him. Um, and Curtis Jones on the other side, I'd probably again go about a seven and a half. Um, I thought he was brilliant down that left-hand side. Again, we mentioned with uh, with how well he worked with, who was it? I think it might have been Jota the other week as well. Um, how, how well, how well they sort of combined together. And I think I think they did it again today. Um, Curtis Jones, he loves just the way he picks up the ball. And he, he sort of, he's, he's somebody that when you look at him, he doesn't look the most elegant of players. But then the ease of which he'll glide past one or two and then just play a pass off. Like I said, he just he does it with such ease. He's such a a gifted footballer, um, and and I think today, like he look again, he didn't similarly. Tenderson didn't do anything outstandingly special. Um, he just sort of kept the game ticking over, kept the ball moving, um, kept us in possession a lot of the times where it looked like Palace were were sort of really getting on top of us. Um, so yeah, I think I think the midfield did a pretty decent job, especially in covering some poor performances from from the two centre-backs. Yeah, I've got to carry on for that and say that Cottage Jones completely outmatched Conor Gallagher um, on the other side too. Yeah. Obviously young, exciting English midfielders. I think 
Uh, Jones had Gallagher on toast on this day. Probably the worst game I've seen Gallagher play a full 90 minutes. But uh, that's not to say that he's not an exciting talent because mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed watching him in pretty much every other game this season. I'm going to go do for the front line. week as well, though, wasn't it? Like in that, yep, that cup absolutely. game against Arsenal, Curtis Jones was the best young English midfielder on the pitch, and Saka and Smith Rowe were on the pitch that day. So but you won't really hear about him getting a call up. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's maybe, maybe deserved at a point. I, I want to go straight on to the forward line. Um, I thought Ox was absolutely excellent. Um, granted, I know he wants to be a central midfielder and, and uh, a number eight or even maybe an eight or ten. Uh, I think he I think he was good. He was a big presence up there. He was absolutely needed. A big performance for the Ox was absolutely needed. Crucial for this game. He, de- he delivers with a fantastic finish. Um, pressing, high energy. Um, and he obviously he comes off from an amino. But I think that's for, for a player that with his injury record as well for him to, to, to play with intensity for that 60 minutes is, is, a, is a great show for Ox. Cause that, those are the kind of I'd rather have that intense sixty minutes from Ox than than ninety minutes on 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 seventy percent of his of his sort of effort or his legs even. Um, Bobby Firmino did Bobby Firmino things. I think he linked up really really well with the squad. Um, obviously, in that false nine role bringing Jota uh, and, and Ox in the game absolutely crucial for us. Dropping deep, he's Bobby Firmino does does his things. <laughs> he does Bobby things and and gets a gets a, a seven or an eight for me. Going to go with an eight because I thought he was good. I thought he was influential over the game. Um, Jota, this is the best game that Jota's played without scoring for me. Um, normally he's not that massive, not massively um, influential outside getting goals. But he's definitely adding elements to his game. He's just becoming a better footballer, hundred percent. He's off the ball work. He's becoming better. He's going. He's passing is better. His pressing is better. His tackles are better. He's becoming stronger in terms of putting pressure on players. Um, his best play. His best game without scoring for me. Um, Diogo Jota. Okay, boys. Uh, I'm going to give my Jurgen Klopp rating, and I want to get yours. Uh, my 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 rating for Jurgen is going to be a solid eight. Um, if I was him, I'd have maybe brought in Gomez instead of Matip. I think it may be a good match to to bring in Gomez. I, I understand why he stopped with Matip because we need that consi- consistency. But I think he really struggled. I think he really, really struggled this game. Um, Deej, come to you. You're Jurgen Klopp rating. Uh, I think I'm maybe a little bit lower. I think I'm seven and a half rather than the eight. I think there, there could have been changes that were made uh, earlier to sort of shore us up a little bit, maybe even stop Palace scoring that first goal. Now, I know a lot of Liverpool fans would uh, grumble if we made what you'd call a defensive change as our first change. So instead of uh, Ox for Minamino, which was pretty much a straight swap, if we'd have done the the Bobby for Milner and pushed Jones up into the front three and Jotter into the middle as our first sub, I think that would have gone some way to potentially preventing uh, us conceding a goal. Um, I, I think maybe the order of the substitutions could have been better, a little bit better for game management. And that's uh, that's why he's 7.5 rather than 8 for me. Other than that, not a lot wrong with the selection, not a lot wrong with, with what went on through the game. Uh, Klopp doing Klopp things and just shouting at people for the whole 90 minutes. That's exactly <laughs> what you want to see. Excellent stuff, um, Adam. Your clock rating. Um, I, I think I think I'd probably lean towards more Deej this one. I'd probably go about seven and a half. Um, I don't think he got much wrong. Um, I, I like you said, Simo. I, I think he maybe maybe should have introduced the likes of Gomez or even a Canate over uh, Matip in this one. After like we said before, he did struggle against Arsenal as well. Um, I thought he made some of the substitutions right. He tried to change things quickly with the likes of Minamino coming on around the hour mark. But I think Carragher said it in comms. There's, and I know it's a system that we play, but there is a, an obsession with playing this offside trap. 
And when it goes wrong, it can go horribly wrong. And because Palace were so quick just getting that ball over the top and they were creating so many one-on-one opportunities for themselves, I just thought, should he just change it? Should he just get us to drop that a couple yards deeper and just see out the game? Um, and I, I thought he may, maybe could have done that a little bit earlier than, than he actually did when he when he eventually brought Gomez on. Um, but apart from that, I thought I thought he was was pretty good. There are a club that, of ours that has the high quality centre backs that we do. Our reluctance to play a back three is is quite funny. I don't I don't think Klopp will ever, <laughs> ever lean towards it, but you absolutely could because of the 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 mobility of our centre backs. You could plant a Kanate and then on the other side put a, a Van Dijk. He'll never do it. I I understand he'd never do it, but like at, at times like this, where there was times where Alisa. Edward and and uh, who else was on today? It was uh, Mateta. We're uh, tearing through us. We're tearing through us, and and they're off size trap. And you just think, oh god! I mean, are we going to throw a three points here from a, a reluctance to adapt to the situation? Um, obviously, as you can call it, we get the points, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a <laughs> point. But no, the only reason you play a back three is if your two centre backs aren't good enough. That's the only reason. United should be playing a back three now because Maguire isn't good enough. Uh, Lindelof isn't good enough. The oh, only it's, one there is Varane. So uh, it's, it's not the only reason. I mean, Tuko Tuko adopts a, a back three with, with with a focus on high quality centre backs. They were just going. I mean, you say that though, but you look right at uh, you look at Chelsea. Uh, they, they've got Rudiger and Thiago Silva. There's their two centre back pairings that are good defenders that could play in a two. Try and make a two out of the others. Not a chance. They they need a three. Like they're they're not strong enough in themselves as a two. I would say they're specifically bought for the three, though, like a, a Christensen. Like they're, Maybe, yeah. They're essentially midfield, midfielders playing in centre-back. Larger midfielders that play in centre-back to create a possession overload. And, and I, I, we, we get the players. We could do that. I absolutely believe. Like If Tuchel was to take charge of Liverpool and adopt his three at the back, high high possession. It's just, it's just who line. you take out for that extra centre-back, though, really. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's just, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a thought experiment, boys. It's a thought experiment. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you very much for everybody listening. Uh, we will be back uh, very shortly with the next one. Cheer bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.